to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs swept the Mets right out. Of, well, maybe not out of first place. They're like half a game above the Braves now. But it's funny stuff, man. Home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. Leave us a five-star review and a rating so other people can find the show. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about their base running woes and more at Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny, on this day after the Cubs swept the Mets? I just want to sing, sweep the Mets, sweep the Mets, step right up and beat the Mets. This is payback for 1969. We came to New York and then we kicked you behind. <laughs> I love uh, it. That was, a, that was a lot of fun and unexpected. I, I was, love it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I am a little bit of a, I got a little bit of, of a soft, soft spot for the New York Mets. And uh, I lived in New York for a long time and I, you know, wouldn't can't stand Yankee fans. So if I'm going to go see some baseball games, it was either the Coney Island Cyclones, which is heck of a lot of fun, but far away from where I lived. Uh, or I just take the train out to Queens and uh, enjoy. Uh, uh, they have really good sausages <laughs> and, uh, and and nice people like that's salted. That's the real New Yorkers, you know, in my opinion, whereas like the, all the transplant New Yorkers like end up being Yankee fans. Nobody ends up being Mets fans in nationally ball. Not that there's a difference anymore, but anyway, it's still fun to beat them. It's still payback for 69. It's still like, I hated the Mets in, in the eighties with their coked up Keith Hernandez and their Dwight Goodens and their Daryl strawberries. I hated that team. And it just, you know, so I can definitely have a hard spot for the Mets too. And I, and it came out in this series. I had a lot of fun watching this Cubs looks decent. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> You know, all those toot bland things that they've been doing all year, they actually worked out. Like they they were playing small ball and doing dumb things on the base paths, but instead of getting out, they actually made it this time. So it was fun to see. Yeah, I I sort of share your take on the Mets. Like I am not a Mets fan, but I, I like lots of Mets fans. Like there are lots of Mets Twitter people who I follow, who follow us. Like we did, um, the dollars for dingers, uh, fundraiser with the, lovely ladies from a pot of their own over at Amazing Avenue a few years ago, helping to raise money for domestic violence. By the way, it is September, people, um, and Dollars for Dingers is going on. You do not have to be a Mets fan to go sign up for any type of contribution. It works out really easy. You just pick the thing that you want to tie your contribution to. Like it could be last year, I think I did um, Javier Baez home runs in the month of September for the Mets, and I and I tacked on uh, and an additive for like any time Javi did a great thing. Um, you can do that with any Mets player who you would like to cheer for. You want to cheer on some Trevor Williams strikeouts. You can do that. You want to cheer for Jacob deGrom. You can do that. You want to cheer for Daniel Vogelbach. You can do that. Um, it's fun. Like they are a, they are a fun fan base. They are a kind of salt of the earth fan base. They're very like, you know, they're very, they're very like, I can't even say level-headed. Like Mets fans always expect the worst thing to happen and, and they are Mets fans. So it often happens. And and I feel like there's some kinship with the Cubs there. And also 1969 is a real thing. And there are lots of Cubs fans who I know and love dearly who were traumatized by that season and they cannot handle the Mets at all. And the yeah. other thing, which we were talking about on the show, I think last episode or the episode before Mets fans have this little brother complex thing going on that is so annoying that I just can't 
every time I come close to being like, yeah, I can cheer for this Mets team, I, I can't. Like, they do something like claim they own Narco and William Contreras stole their <laughs> yeah. walkout music. And I'm like, this is dumb. And I can't get on board with this. So yeah. I was very happy to see the Cubs go into City Field and take three games from a team that is like the whole fan base was kind of panicking and reeling. And I, I feel bad for my friends who are Mets fans that were panicking and reeling. And also it was sort of funny. Well, it was funny because they did have a lot of crowd reaction shots going during these games and, and not even from the Cubs. I, and full disclosure, I, uh, list, I, I game dayed one of these games. Cause I was at a rehearsal. Another one of the games, uh, I listened. I really like Ron Darling. I think he's a great announcer. I think his uh, when he's talking about the ball game, he's an incredibly intelligent uh, announcer and gives me a lot of perspective. I wa- I watched the Mets broadcast with uh, Gary Cohen when uh, well um, who was pitching? Oh, it was uh, oh my god, I'm drawing a total blank. Which um, game? It was the first game. Uh, Assad. It was uh, yeah. I, well, I shouldn't be that upset by by, my, by myself. Like I just heard of this guy like for three weeks ago. Uh, Ju- uh, yeah, Julian Javier Assad. I always want to call him Julian Assad because I did it as a joke, but now I shouldn't. Javier Assad. The love that Ron Darling had for Javier Assad and how he composed himself on the mound as a rookie was like more than the Cubs have ever said about the guy. <laughs> like they're like, yeah, this guy's up. Maybe he sticks around. Ron Darling was like, this guy is a real major leaguer. And like, I'm like, oh my God, Javier Assad is getting more love from the Mets broadcast because he was mowing him down. Then he ever, he, he got short shrift for the Cubs. I mean, they probably just don't even expect him to pitch another game. They're like, well, I'm not alert about this guy. He's not even a prospect. You know what? That Mets broadcast, sorry to interrupt you, Danny. I want to hear the rest of this, but that Mets broadcast team is amazing. They are one of the only broadcast teams that I go to when the Cubs are playing uh, in, they are playing the Mets. I want to hear what the Mets team had to say, not to troll them. Like I I actually like listening to them. I do you remember the play where like Wilson was on first and stole second and then Javi stole home and whatnot, like a few years ago, like Keith Hernandez's call of that is out standing he is just in awe that the Cubs pulled this off and how they pulled this off and it's a little league play but it's in the big leagues and how fun is it and he he talks about it for like half an inning that is a fun thing for baseball that is a good broadcast crew they really are and yesterday I listened to Max Perez Jimenez and Nesta Rosario who are the Spanish language broadcasters for the Mets also very good uh, really clear. I mean, it's just one of the things I'm doing to learn Spanish and especially to help with my comprehension is to listen to some of these games in Spanish, and just force myself to do it. And, you know, it gets easier as you do it. And as you learn more Spanish, it gets even easier. But they did an absolutely incredible job. In fact, I uh, texted Miguel Esparza, the a Cub Spanish language broadcaster, one of them. And I said, hey, check these guys out. They're really good. And he did. And he really did like them as well. And so, um, you know, but, you know, hats off to their broadcast team and everything. I, I won't say why I chose to, to listen to those broadcasts instead of our own Cubs broadcast. I'll let everybody, you know, kind of deduce what that might mean about my fandom of what was going on in New York uh, this t- uh, this week. But um yeah, I mean, the thing is, they did, they they called the game for real. Like, so they're sitting there, I, and because I'm watching, and the whole point I'm saying this is because the Mets 
TV broadcast is showing their own sad fans in the crowd to their own fans at home so they can see the other sad fans that are watching their team completely implode in front of their eyes for the 8,000th time. I was at the game, I think it was 2007, and they were against the Phillies, and the Mets had a lead. They were winning like 5-2 to two or something, and then the fifth inning, it ended up being 6-5 to five Phillies, and the Phillies like ended up winning that game, and they overtook the Mets, and they, and they did it two years in a row. And the Mets fans, after the sixth inning or after the, the – after the uh, inning was was done where the Phillies had taken the lead and they were only up by a a run or two, they all stood in unison and booed the hell out of their own team. And and I was like, oh yeah, this is a New York moment if I've ever felt one because that's how it is there. And it doesn't help. I I would hate it if Cubs fans did it. I'm glad we're not really like that too much. But, um, you know, they're just, to watch this happen yet once again, I'm texting my friend Uncle Mike. I was like, dude, what is going on? He's like, not surprised, not surprised at all. This is what we do. We Mets out. And it's that other shoe that Cub fans have been waiting to drop on our heads for 108 years. And now we're just right back where we were again, I guess. Uh, but um, it's just, it was, uh, what a series. And it's nice to kind of stick it to them, uh, play spoiler. Not that I want the Braves to win, but um you know, screw the Mets. You don't get to ride off into victory on our backs. That's all I'm saying. You're not clinching on us. No, they're not clinching on us. And in fact, the Cubs, the Cubs made things a little bit, a little bit closer, which was, which was intriguing to me because they were playing down some of their best players. Wilson Contreras is currently on the IL. It sounds like uh, he is eligible to come off any day. Now he was eligible to come off on the 13th. And it sounds like he'll be activated for tomorrow's game against the Rockies. Nico Horner, has been day-to-day since that triceps tightness on Sunday night baseball. It sounds like he will probably be activated for Friday's game as well. But like, those are two of their best hitters as, as we're going to talk about when we get to the hot hitters portion of this, like there are not many guys on the Cubs who are hot hitters right now. And those are two of them. So like when you pull Nico Horner out of the lineup and all of a sudden Zach McKinstry is, is the dude who's taken all of those at bats and David Bodie's getting a ton of playing time. You pull Wilson Contreras out and turn him into Jan Gomes. I mean, th- that's a real like, that's a big gap between what the Cubs usually get offensively. And and they handled it. The whole team just came together, man. Everybody stepped up. Uh, the small ball was working the way you want the small ball to work. I mean, there were lots of conversations about just like the way the Cubs were pulling off these bunt plays. And look, I, I hate that Rafael Ortega got hurt. Why is that man bunting anyway? He is not bunted successfully. H- has he ever laid down a good bunt? Like I'm, I'm not <laughs> trying to be that girl. Godspeed, heel fast, Rafael Ortega. Looking forward to seeing you back in 2023. But he is not a good bunter. Every time they ask him to bunt, he does something that is outrageously bad. Like he strikes out on the bunt attempt. He bunts foul and strikes out. He pops up the bunt. The And, and, and so why this man is being asked to bunt and then he breaks a finger because he literally bunts the ball off of his ring thing. I, I just cannot. Like, don't ask Rafael Ortega to bunt anymore, please. I am begging you. Yeah, and it's a shame because he was having a good series up until that point. Although, a couple of – they put him out in center field, and it's it's not the prettiest thing I've ever seen out there. Um, but uh, you got to turn around on a couple of plays, doesn't take the right routes and, and things like that. I don't think he's a necessarily a natural – center fielder. I mean, I don't know too many guys that are except for, um, well, all the shortstops that they threw out there, but, um, 
Yeah, he had a home run in the first game. Uh, he went two for four. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at what he did in the second game. That's when he got hurt, I believe. Yeah, went one for one in, in that one. Um, so, uh, yeah, had uh, – no, he didn't have an RBI. looking the wrong line. But, yeah, I mean, he was having a good a good time of it until that point. I mean, it's, it's a shame that we see a season end that way. Um but yeah, uh, the, the bunting, the small ball worked. Hermosillo came in and did like, I mean, he's batting what under a hundred. But you know, it, was he the one that came in with two strikes on him and got and got that butt down? Two you strikes know. and a zero eighty eight average at the moment he got that butt down, and I was just like, "Yes, the Cubs cannot lose. The Cubs are un, are unbeatable in New York." Well, against Jacob Degrom, uh, uh, you know, so that's not easy. So Degrom totally carves us up gets 10 strikeouts but we managed to scratch out the three runs off of him and let's face it the Mets just look their hitters are just all slumping it reminded me of the Cubs of old that not that old it reminded me of the remember at the end of 2018 that like you just we were winning all these games one to nothing we're like this cannot just keep going on like this and well guess what It, it didn't it didn't keep going they didn't score in the wild card game and then it was over so um yeah, but you're you're looking at like their offense. I'm like, how? I know they've got good pitching, but you got to have to score some runs. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't barely score at all. And some of the runs they scored were just like late inning, last minute, like solo home runs off of like our closer who's in there for a second inning, who's not even a closer. He's Brandon Hughes, and nobody even heard of him for this year. So, and Mets fans still haven't heard of him. Well, they did now. So. um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, what their team's going to do. They've got to figure out how to hit again. Somebody, uh, you know, they got, I don't know who they're waiting to come back because all those guys were in there. Nimmo, Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo. Like, they pick up Vogelbach and they still got no pop. You know, I don't know. But our, you got to hand it to our bullpen too, don't you, Sarah? Oh, totally. I mean, the look, we give the bullpen a lot of grief here. And, and in fact, I'm going to shout out one guy in particular. Eric Uleman, who I have been very, very skeptical of, like, honestly, when he came into yesterday's game, I was kind of, I, I almost tweeted, doesn't this man just like give up three runs every time he comes in? Like his job is to give up three runs. And the Cubs were like a 6-2 lead at that point in time. I'm like, by the time Uleman gives up his three runs, it's going to be 6-5. to five. Heart of the order, facing like Pete Alonzo and Mark Vientos and whoever bats before Pete Alonzo, I don't remember. Uh Uleman was Lindor. great, man. Francisco Lindor. Uleman was great, man. He like got, he just carved that up, and I was just like, okay, well, it's that. That's what the Cubs see in this guy. Look, he get he gets a lot of ground balls. I I get it, but also he has not always been that effective. And yet, against the heart of the Mets order, he was so so nice job, Eric Uleman. Well, well, in like for example, yesterday's game, they do manage to the Mets did manage to get three runs, two of them on uh, home runs. So uh, they did manage to to get the ball to the park. If anybody's on base, which oftentimes with the Cubs bullpen, there is somebody on base, but they had no walks. No, they had one walk. Smiley had one walk yesterday. And um, then you get a bunch of guys, three of them with ERAs over four. One, Uelman, with, a, with an ERA of five and a half, basically. They come into this game, and it's – pretty much lights out. They're not striking out a lot of people, but they're pitching to contact in a way 
that are, are just getting guys out. A lot of balls right at guys, a lot of ground balls. And the Mets were just making mistakes. One guy got hit by a ball while he was running in the bases. I think it was Nito, uh, Tom, Thomas Nito. Is that his name? Yeah the, yeah, the catcher. Tomas Nito, yeah. Tomas Nito. He got hit by a ball. Um, so some bad luck. They're, they, you know, they looked like the Cubs on the base pads. You know, they're just kind of doing dumb stuff. They're committing errors, um, throwing the ball around a little bit, you know. So I don't know. They just looked like a team in self-destruction. But to go out there and ask four innings of your bullpen, who's been heavily used at this point of the year, especially for young guys who really are just kind of getting their first taste of things, like you've got to be impressed that they're doing four innings, of, uh, and then they're do- doing three innings, uh, mopping up with Rucker. And Hughes, again, Hughes has been a workhorse back there, taking more than one inning on it as well. So it's just like – I don't know that to that I'm expecting this to continue, but it's nice during a season when you're pretty down on things to be like, well, maybe they're okay. <laughs> you know, maybe they have something in there and giving an opportunity to get better at this point, which I mean, that's who they're going to throw out there for the rest of the year facing big league pitching. I mean, I mean look well for them. This team clearly needs some help. The bullpen needs some help. They they could use a starter. They could use another middle infielder with some more experience, or maybe a third baseman. I don't know. Maybe a first baseman. Like they, they need some help. Like I'm not could, I'm not pretending that this team is ah yes this just keep it just the way it is and run it back out there for 2023. And also, they've got a lot of fight in them. They don't give up. They they have these moments where they are really good against. This team put up four runs against Jacob DeGrom. Like I had to do a double take. I I went uh, I went to yoga and I knew I was going to miss the first 45 minutes of that game going to yoga. And I was like, well, you know, it's Jacob DeGrom, whatever. Like I'm going to go to yoga. I haven't been um, since last week when I had um, some minor surgery done. And I, I just wanted to make sure I, I wanted to get back to my routine. And I was like, I'm not going to I'm not going to skip this yoga class. So I, I went to yoga. I came out and I had the alerts that the Cubs were up like two to nothing at that point. And I was just like, what? <laughs> How did this happen? Well, and and not only that is like you, Assad, he has been impressive. I've been I've liked what this kid's been doing. You know, Smiley's been having a bunch of really good outings. You know, so you're like, okay, the starting pitching. I saw some stat about like since the All Star break or like it, since the last month, like some small, very qualifying staff that the Cubs starters have the lowest ERA in the majors or something like that. So I'm like, well, I don't know if I trust my eyes on this or if I trust that information over my, what I see with my own eyes. Um, the the other one being Samson that pitched in this series and has kind of overperformed all year long. I did not expect the bullpen to come in and hold these leads. And in every single one of these games, I'm like, well, the bullpen's going to come in. <laughs> and then we're going to go to extras and lose in, in Manfred Man clown ball. But then we didn't. And I was like, okay, well, that was a surprise. And I, that's all I'm going to take from it is that I am pleasantly surprised. I am pleasantly surprised too. And look, man, this bullpen is, <laughs> it is not a collection of rock stars. I mean, you got Brandon Hughes was drafted as an outfielder. They converted him to a pitcher and he is killing it. Like Rowan Wick 
has ups and downs and some days he's wicked good and some days he's wicked awful and but he's he was wicked good in this series michael rucker has had his moments uh but michael rucker was great in this series there i i believe last week i tweeted mark Leiter is determined to light this victory on fire and he did uh this not not yesterday though mark Leiter definitely came to play yesterday so you know what props to all of them that was a really good series against a really good mets team there were injuries and problems and lots of things going on that could have gone wrong. And the Cubs swept the Mets at home in September, which is incredible. By the way, um, one more thing about Lighter. I I heard the broadcast. I heard JD and Boog talking about how there's no way Lighter hit Jeff McNeil on purpose after Seiya Suzuki got mm. hit in the hand, given the game situation and blah, blah, blah. I disagree. I think that was absolutely an on-purpose pitch. It went exactly where he wanted that pitch to go. And I think he decided it was worth sticking up for Seiya a little bit more than whatever might happen, putting the leadoff man on. Like, he kind of threw caution to the wind there and said, I don't care. I am going to protect my dude. And you know what? Hat tip Mark Leiter. I, I am not generally a beanball person, but that when that ball hit Seiya's hand and ricocheted about 40 feet away, I was sure his hand was going to be shattered. I, I was stunned he stayed in the game. And Mark Leiter stepped up and made sure that that did not go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah, no, you, I, I agreed with you that he hit him on purpose. I had the same thought, and I don't know. It's just it seems like that's the kind of thing that you do, especially because he he's an older rookie, <laughs> you know. So it, maybe he wants to establish himself as that kind of team guy. Remember Joe Madden was. Remember, he was always like, we don't do that kind of thing on the Cubs. And then and they didn't really they didn't do much of that. They were good enough to to not have to play that game. But a lot of times when you're fighting to stay on a team and you're fighting to be known as a team guy and you're fighting, to, uh, you're at the fringes of a roster, you'll do anything you can do to stay on it. And if that means just like sticking up for a teammate that you know is going to be on this team for the next four years, like say a Suzuki, you'll do that. You know, it's like, oh, he's a team guy. So, um, but you know, the, the Mets, they're, they're kind of playing ugly right now. A lot of frustration. There was that, uh, wasn't it Pete Alonzo that hit a towering giant foul ball off of Samson in the, in a really weird first inning. And I think it was game two. And then he like got walked and then he, he threw his bat down all mad. I'm like, this is not a team that's playing with vibes that it, well, they are bad vibes, <laughs> not good vibes because they lost two or three, to the nationals they're losing games to the pirates they lost to the marlins i mean they they beat them those teams too and, uh, you know uh, but all this year they've been a great team but their win loss record for september is not pretty right now i'm looking at it right now they've got uh let's see two losses against uh split yeah i mean they're under 500 in september because of us by a game Hey, I'm, I'm here for it. I, you know, I think it was Kara Fagan on Twitter last night. It might not have been Kara, so if it was somebody else and I'm not giving credit uh, to the right person, I apologize, who said that one of the best things about baseball is that the long season means that even in an awful season, like even in a season where bad things have happened and you're cranky with your team and you're losing, you have no shot at the playoffs, there are moments that are really fun. There are moments where your team plays really good baseball. There are games where you put up 21 runs against the Pirates. There are games where you sweep the Mets in September. 
And that is the that is one of the reasons that baseball is such a great sport. And I could not agree with that more. I think that is absolutely on point. One of the best things about baseball is that even in a lost season, John Baker gets the win. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, 162 games, a lot of a lot of things can happen. I mean, but this is a Cubs team that we just saw get swept by the Cardinals, lose two or three to the Reds. And lose two or three to the Giants. So we were not expecting this. This wasn't like, oh, well, you know, they beat the Cardinals twice and then they won two or three from the Reds. And like, you know, they've been playing losing baseball in the month of September so far, even more so than the Mets have. So to come in and I mean, they've they've only won two games in the Cubs had only won two games in the month of September until they faced the Mets starting on September 12th. So do with that with, uh, you know, so yeah, uh, we, I, I can't explain it, but yeah, baseball going to baseball and there we are. I can't explain it either, but baseball going to baseball indeed. And, and I, and I love that about baseball. It's, my, it's one of my favorite things about baseball. It's why you have to tune in to every game, even if you're going to be late after yoga, because you'd kind of like punted on the team having any shot against Jacob DeGrom. Uh, we are up against a commercial break, but we are going to be back on the flip side. We've got a lot of things to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit. About the, the minor league baseball union is done. Like it's a thing. It's It exists. It's been recognized by MLB. We're going to talk about that because that is stunning and incredible. We're also going to talk about Alec Manoa and why I am a Blue Jays stand now. And I am definitely like going. The Blue Jays are my playoff team like that. I am all in ride or die for the Blue Jays. And we are going to preview Three games at Wrigley Field between the Cubs and the Colorado Rockies, led by the one and only Chris Bryant on the flip side. But first, a quick break for our sponsors. All right, we're back. Uh, let's start with the big news, the Minor League Baseball Union. I, It's incredible. Major League Baseball is rec- has recognized the union. They did the card check election. It's been confirmed. The next step is to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement between the new bargaining unit that is 5,000 minor league players from the complex leagues all the way up to AAA. Basically, everybody who is not on the 40-man roster outside of the Dominican Summer League. And I'm stunned, Danny. I did not think this would happen this fast. I mean, kudos to all of the people at Advocates for Minor Leaguers, all of the people at the MLBPA who made this happen. I think it is probably the biggest news in the sport in the last 30 or 40 years. And it's going to have huge ramifications for thousands of minor leaguers, their families, the money they make, how they get treated. Um, And I was listening to a really great interview yesterday with, uh, I think it's Trevor Hildeberger. I'm so sorry if it's not Trevor, it might be Tyler. I should have looked this up before we got on the air um, on tipping pitches. uh, And I cannot recommend this interview highly enough. Hildeberger was one of the guys who was um, do, leading the organizing effort with advocates for minor leaguers and the, in minor league baseball. And, and, and he was talking about how many guys he saw over the course of his career who had like sub two ERAs and, and quit the minors because they just couldn't, they couldn't live with no money and they didn't have wealthy families who could support them in the situation that minor league baseball had set up. I really think that we are going to see more talented players make it through the minor league systems after this news, I, I'm, it's just incredible. It's a great day for workers. It's a great day for solidarity. I love it. Yeah, it's it is a little shocking, and in fact, it's so shocking that I kind of feel like there's you know what's the catch? 
catch. So, and I, I think the catch might be obvious. It's that uh, right now we're at a point in, I think, our overall society where, you know, th- things kind of swing on a pendulum and they've decimated. I'm in two unions and they've, in my unions have been completely decimated. And, um, you know, I, I bet I think we're at a point at this at this juncture where especially like millennials and people younger than me, I'm Gen X, like smack dab in the middle. So it happened to us big time. But I think the younger workers who have been told that they are valuable humans, which I wasn't really told as a child, <laughs> you know, you're just like, just get in there and do it. You know, you work, 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 you know? So uh, these people are, are valuing uh, work life balance. Like I'd never heard of that before, you know, coming in my twenties when I was starting out in my life. Um, you know, I think they're looking at this and be like, you know what? Our time is valuable. Our um, work and our efforts are valuable. And all we're doing is seeing the fruits of our labor go to to a handful of billionaires. And this isn't just in baseball, but it's all across society. You just saw that the train workers were going to strike over the fact that they were getting fired because they, if they had like a heart attack, they would just fire them and say not let them recover and stuff like that. So just pretty horrible stuff that you think about from like the turn of the century, like coal mine days, you know, where they just like give your wife like your widow five bucks because you died in the shaft, you know? So, um, you know, we're back to that thing. And I like the fact that we're at this place where things might swing back. And I think nothing's more scared than a billion dollars. So they don't want any bad press. The, the, and the MLB owners certainly don't want to lose their antitrust. So they're just going to be like, okay, you're in the union. Don't worry about it. You're in. Don't worry about it. We're going to do it. And then it they it's a financial transaction to them, seeing as how horrible the CBA uh, negotiations were, seeing how horrible the 2020 COVID year negotiations went, um, horribly, I should say, um, if I'm going to use proper grammar. But um, so this time they're like, OK, I don't want any more guff. Here's the union. It's only going to cost us this much. Won't even cost them. We've been making this point for forever. Why don't they house them? What? This wouldn't even cost that much. Like people figured it out. They're like, it would cost as much as like, you know, one fifth of a of a minor of a major league salary or something to like house a minor league team for like an entire road trip or so, you know, I don't know what it is exactly, but um it's been pointed out that it has been quite affordable. So I think that's why they went for it. They're like, it's not that expensive. We'll let you do it. Yeah. It's a, good, it's a good thing. At least these guys won't be as exploited as they were. But now I'm not going to cheer wildly when something that should have happened already and it wasn't being done because of greed and injustice. Now they finally get it done. And I'm not going to like, I'm not going to give them any credit on the owner side for being quick about something that sh- they should never have. This ne- we should never have been here. Oh, totally. I mean, my favorite. So MLB finally had a statement after they like recognized the union and they like for, for they went like a week with like no statements. I was actually recording MLB Central and watching it while I would work uh, mainly to see if they would 
acknowledge that there was a unionization effort at all. And like, I, I heard nothing like just crickets on MLB network, which makes, you know, it's like state TV. Like they, they only tell you the stories that they want to be out there, but here's major league baseball statement uh, on the union after they recognized it and everything like that. And, and there's a part that is so laughable here, Danny, you'll know when I get to it. Major League Baseball has a long history of bargaining in good faith with unions, including those (laughs) representing minor and major league umpires and the major league players. We respect the rights of workers to decide for themselves whether to unionize. Based on the authorization cards gathered, MLB has voluntarily and promptly recognized the MLBPA as the representatives of minor league players. We are hopeful that a timely and fair collective bargaining agreement will be reached that is good for the game, minor league players, and our fans. Me thinks that MLB is a little high on the horse about this whole bargaining in good faith thing. But that said, they did a good thing here. So I, I will I will not lambast them too much for it today. Yeah, well, they I mean, they didn't want the guff because they listen, the, the government right now is not going to be not going to take too kindly to this every time, you know, the, the this was just coming up about their antitrust uh the, the fact that they're the only people I think in the country yes. that have they're that. the only sport with an antitrust exemption. It is an accident of history. We should talk about that in the off season. Cause honestly, it's a sort of fascinating thing, how that all came about, but it's the only major, major sport with an antitrust exemption and MLB cares a lot about it. So when the Senate judiciary committee came knocking with a bunch of bullet points that were all very specific about the contraction of the minor leagues, the pay that minor leaguers get the wage exemptions, the MLB was getting for minor leaguers and other things. uh, It is very clear to me that MLB took a look at the hand that they were dealt and decided they cared more about their antitrust exemption than they did about fighting against a minor yeah, league. Union. Didn't they just lobby for like the save America's pastime act, which was exactly the opposite. And you know, that's one of those things yep. that it's just like brave new world about it. And they, they're like, it's the, it's the peace and love act. And it just it is like all about like bombing people and more death. Yes, like, right. you know, it's just pretty much how that goes. Uh, but um, it was like, exactly that so you know maybe they just got sick of uh they're like we need to do one thing that's gonna you know save our reputations because right now we look like um you remember in the simpsons the evil cabal that runs the world they sing that we do the stonecutters <laughs> you know what i'm talking about oh yeah oh that's, yeah yeah so it's like they were just sick of being like the stonecutters and uh, uh seeing them i mean they they have a pr problem on their hand i mean um baseball has a pr problem on its hands in general it's losing popularity all the time and one of the reasons is because they they're, you just see the billionaires and the millionaires fighting and everybody's like eh, screw it i'll do something else on my in my summers yeah so. that's that's a great point about the way baseball is perceived it's also a great segue to this uh this Blue Jays situation and the reason that I am a Blue Jays fan. So some Twitter account that no longer exists yesterday decided that the hill that he was going to die on was claiming that somehow it is embarrassing that Alejandro Kirk is being portrayed as a great baseball player by the team he plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. I want to be real clear about a couple of things right now. Alejandro Kirk is one of the best hitters alive today. The man is currently the 26th ranked hitter by WRC plus in major league baseball. He has a WRC plus of 135 for the season as a catcher, which means he is 35% better than the league average hitter 
uh, as a catcher. Like that's a, that's an incredible thing. The man is a great hitter. He's hitting like two ninety five. He's got thirteen home runs. He is also a his framing is in the ninety first percentile, which means that he's also an exceptional defensive catcher. And he's one of these guys. He's you know he's a, he's a little bit heavier. He's a little bit curvier. And and he was he he made it from first to home yesterday on an incredible play. And the Blue Jays said they would run through a brick wall for him. And this dude Matthew decided that for some reason the Blue Jays supporting Alejandro Kirk was an embarrassment and a threat to the existence of baseball, which turned into one of those days. You know how they say on Twitter every day there's like a main character and the goal is to never be the main character. Well, Matthew was the main character of baseball Twitter yesterday. And there was a moment where Alec Manoa, who was a pitcher for the Blue Jays, came out in defense of Alejandro Kirk and just, I mean, the ratio on this thing was was incredible. But it has led to a situation where I want to say a couple of things. Number one, I already liked this Blue Jays team. I was watching them on opening day and I was thinking, man, it's a fun team. You got Barito, you got George Springer, you got Bo Bichette, and he's doing the hair flips and everything. You got, you know, some really fun players on this Blue Jays team. I'm all in now. Like, I have been kind of searching for a playoff team. I'm like, yeah, maybe it'll be the Padres. They've got Juan Soto now. I like Juan Soto. Like, maybe it'll be the Mariners. Julio Rodriguez is kind of fun. The Mariners haven't won for a long time. Nope, nope, it's none of those teams. My team is the Blue Jays now, courtesy of Alec Manoa just being an incredible human being, sticking up for his teammate, and literally getting this dude to delete his account within, like, 10 hours because he had such a bad take on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, well, he kind of canceled himself with that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, just don't fat shame people. Like it, that should just kind of be the way it is. You know, just don't make fun of people's looks and don't make fun of people's weight. And you know, this is not hard stuff. You know, it's called treating people with respect. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, that guy deserved what he got. If, if that's his whole, if that's his whole thing, I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. Some of the, the greatest, ba- one of the greatest baseball players of all time was a big fat guy named Babe Ruth. So, I mean, I, you know, what are you talking about? You know, he looks really fast on those old movies cause it's all sped up, but I guarantee he wasn't the fastest man on the field, but like, you know, you can Bartolo Colon, Prince long, Fielder, amazing career, Prince Fielder. Sabathia. Like, there is a long history of dudes excelling at the game of baseball who do not have the quintessential athletic body. And it's fine. Like, it's totally fine. They are some of the best baseball players who have ever played. You know, I was looking at somebody had tweeted um, because of Albert Pujols kind of chasing down these all-time home run records. They retweeted this graphic that is super cool. It's like one of those videoized graphics that shows the home run record in MLB from 1887 to now. And so, you know, at the beginning, you got these guys like, I have 50 home runs. I have 100 home runs, whatever. But the most impressive thing about this video to me is not where we're at now. And it's not like the rise of Hank Aaron in the 60s and early 70s. It is the speed at which Babe Ruth just takes over this chart and then just proceeds to lay waste to everybody in his wake for a solid 15 years. For a solid 15 years, Babe Ruth not only like led the league in home runs and not only led the all-time home run list, he led the all-time home run list by like double the next closest guy. And it was not, like it was just not close. It was just like he took it over in three seasons and then he just stayed there for like 50 years and nobody even approached him for a solid 20 of those years. It's it's an amazing amazing thing and you know, Babe Ruth is 
on the Mount Rushmore of greatest baseball players of all time also could pitch, which is like stunning. Like, honestly, we see that now with Shohei Otani. And I really think it's almost impossible to appreciate how good Shohei Otani is because the only comp in history is Babe Ruth. And all we've seen of Babe Ruth is like what you said, these like video clips of movies and like called his shot at Wrigley Field. And like, we know these things, but anyway, so don't fat shame people. Alejandro Kirk is awesome. And if you would like to join the Chicago uh, crew of Blue Jays fans, our friend, friend of the show, Janice Gurio is also on board with this, assuming the White Sox don't make it in. And, and we're just going to, we're just going to be Blue Jays fans through September and October. Go Jays. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I, I like their team. It's they have a, Vladito is the one for me, but yeah, we just were up there and it, they, they, they seemed like a fun bunch. They were, remember they were doing their, their hat thing and they had a, like a bunch of dances. The that jacket, they did. man. They have like the, the jacket, home, run jacket. home run jacket. Yeah. So they're, they're just having a good time up there. So they, yeah, that plays for me. That's all it's going to take is just guys having a good time where we just talking about the Mets. It's the opposite. Like the vibes seem bad. This is a team that's been together for a while. Nimmo's been around. Lindor's been there a couple years. McNeil, Alonzo. And they're just like, they're not feeling each other. <laughs> you know? Yeah, vibes, man. You got to have good vibes in the playoffs. Like if you if you have bad vibes, you are not going anywhere in the playoffs. And this Blue Jay team has vibes. And I am here for it. Uh, speaking of a team that's kind of vibing a little bit, Fangrass now has the Cubs projected for 70 wins. They are they are still eking towards, there's a shot that they could get to that 7-0 number. Uh, there's a shot that they could just have a nice season at 69. We don't know. But um, they will try to make that season total a little bit better this weekend against old pal Chris Bryant and the Colorado Rockies. They will be doing, the pitching matchups are Friday, uh, Herman Marquez and Marcus Stroman. And then we have Jose Arena and Wade Miley on Saturday. Somebody named Feltner, who I did not get his first name, and I apologize for that. Against Ryan, Javier Asad. thank you, Ryan Feltner and Javier Assad on Sunday. Danny, what do you see in these pitching matchups aside from some names we've never heard of before? Well, yeah, I mean German Marquez or Herman Marquez, Herman Marquez, and Jose Arena at this point kind of veterans if you think about it they've been around a while that i i remember when they were kind of new but that was now like seven eight years ago and they're still around uh, urinia was with uh, the marlins and um it, you know it's hit and miss with these guys i looked at some of these game logs and uh herman marquez gave up nine runs in through four innings against arizona but in the time before the two times before he went seven innings, gave up zero runs and two runs. And then the time before he gave up six. So we don't know which Herman we're going to get. I don't think Urania, pretty much same thing. Two starts ago against Cincinnati. He's given up seven runs and going 5.1 last time against Arizona. He's given up one run and going five. He go, gives up nine, gives up two, <laughs> you know, gives up 10, gives up two, you know? So I don't know what we're going to get uh, out of these guys. Feltner's got a six twelve ERA. So it's pretty much uh, always like, you know, four runs. Feltner is also two and eight. So that is not like some small sample size. The dude just got called up in September type of thing. That is a lot of innings to contribute to a 6.12 ERA. Yeah. And he doesn't go very long in games either. Like it looks like his tops, well, is seven innings, but it's way back in May. Since then, it's really more like 3.2, 4.1, like Maybe maybe you'll get five innings out of the guy. So don't look for him to be 
around too much. He's a 25th round pick. So he's just one of those probably fringe dudes that's just fighting his way onto a team that's in fifth place. So this is not a very good team. It's a fifth place in a good division, but still fifth place. They're what they are 62 and 81, which is actually a little better than us. <laughs> so yeah, we'd be in fifth in that league is kind of sobering. Yeah, we the, the Cubs are not a good baseball team. I it's it's just one of those things that that I've I've come to accept that. But the Rockies are not a good baseball team either. I was looking at their hot hitters like I always do, and and to do this one this time, I went back to August eighth, you know, the anniversary of the day the lights came on at Wrigley Field, and I and I went to the present and I looked for anybody who had at least forty plate appearances to see if anybody. Uh, how they're doing. And, and as usual, we will report all the guys who have a WRC plus over 110. It is, it is one guy. His name is Elias Diaz. He is the backup catcher. He has a WRC plus of 112 across 57 plate appearances in that amount of time. That's it. That's the list of hot hitters on the Colorado Rockies. Uh, incidentally, is Chris Bryant on the IL again? Because he is not on this list, which means he does not have at least 40 plate appearances in the last like six weeks. Yeah, he's still, he hasn't played since the end of July. So I mean, I, okay, I, I, I'm so glad the Cubs did not sign Chris Bryant. I'm sorry. Like, I, it's a hot take, and, but, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I know. I, I kind of am, too. He was the, of all the guys that I wanted them to re-sign, he, he wasn't one of them, even though he was probably maybe the safest bet. The one I wanted them to re-sign, I was completely right about, which is Anthony Rizzo. Because I was like, ah, oh, he's a first baseman. He just stands over there, like the, he's gr- and he's great at picking them, you know. And we've seen that really be a tough thing this year when you're seeing, you know, kind of well, Frank Schwindel, who we're probably never going to see again, uh, Patrick Wisdom over there, and now Alfonso Rivas is back and forth between the minors, who's probably the best def- defender of the three at first base. Um, of the ones I just talked about, you know, I really just kind of thought that, you know, Rizzo could age with the team and get a statue. Rizzo I, could, yes. you know, I, I thought that that would be cool that you just thread, uh, kind of have the continuity through him. I, they, you know, it whatever. is. So Anthony Rizzo is the one that I thought they should sign prioritize signing to. My order was always, uh, Rizzo, then Contreras, then Baez. I thought that was the trifecta that the Cubs should keep in house, and then anything else that they needed to do, like do it. Like I'm fine with it. Um, but I, I want to talk about the Rizzo part of this for a second because I just find it this this is the most distasteful thing about the current regime and their whole like, well, we're just going to trade all these guys and get as many prospects as possible, and then you're gonna you're gonna learn to love those guys and and you can be the Rays and it'll be great. Um, Anthony Rizzo took a team-friendly deal to stay with this team and see that World Series core through. And what he expected from the front office in return was that when he hit free agency again, he would get a deal to be the guy, to be the guy in Chicago, like he said, who was the continuity, who was the face of the championships, who brought in the next generation of players. And and when I watch this Yankees team, which I don't do a ton, but I do on occasion, I watch, I watch them whenever they play the Red Sox. And my dad and brother are both Yankees fans, so I hear about the Yankees a lot. The difference between this Yankees teams and the, and the Yankee teams of like two and three years ago that were basically the same group of guys who couldn't get a playoff run going and kept getting run down by other teams is the presence of Anthony Rizzo. 
It is the presence of this guy who understands what it means to grind and who knows what it means to be a champion and who shows up every day with a smile on his face and is kind of goofy in the dugout and knows when to be like the hard guy, like making holding people to account and knows when to joke around. And it is infuriating to me that the Cubs front office and the Ricketts family did not appreciate or understand, or even if they did appreciate and understand what Anthony Rizzo meant to this fan base and to Chicago, to the city of Chicago and to the Cubs in particular, it is infuriating to me that they did not care about that, that that was something that they saw as expendable as long as they got some prospects back. And because I don't see it as expendable. I would rather that the Cubs kept, have kept Anthony Rizzo, trade anybody else. Maybe not Wilson Contreras, but but trade anybody else. Keep Anthony Rizzo there. Let him let him be the guy. You want there to be guys you can build statues of in 30 years. You want Danny and I to be doing this podcast 30 years from now, talking about the good old days when we saw Anthony Rizzo at first place base and how he did the splits and the home runs he would hit and the two Tony two chains and the pandemic season. And we will never have that because they don't understand the value of character and quality and person that that man brought to this team and the city. And I just, I hate them for it. Yeah. The intangibles. I mean, the only thing I'll say is it was just a two year contract. So maybe he comes back at some point. I mean, it it won't be the same. It won't be the same. That's the guy you keep in house forever. Right. And I mean, I get it. I know that the Cardinals are doing their reunion tour with Albert Pujols right now. And people are like, Oh, well, he's always a Cardinal. Like whatever. Like you, you keep those guys in house. Like the, You know who I hear, and this is going to kill me if it happens. You know who I hear appreciating Wilson Contreras more, like as much as Cubs fans on Twitter these days? Cardinals fans. Because Yadier Molina is about to retire, and Cardinals fans know exactly what it means to have that guy on your side, hitting for your team, fired up for your team. They love Wilson Contreras over there. They're excited about the idea that they might be able to sign Wilson Contreras and and shaft Cubs fans in, in the process. And you know what? I, they might do it. They might do it. And, and I, I would I would just be sitting here twiddling my thumbs, angry at Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins and Tom Ricketts for, again, not understanding what it means to have that guy in-house on your team as opposed to playing for your rival. Yeah. No, I, I, th- that's true. And I've I listened to a Brewers broadcast earlier this year that – basically pounded the table for about three innings in a row about how Wilson Contreras needs to stay a Chicago Cub because you'd be an idiot to let go of Wilson Contreras when this guy can do so much for your team. And, and they were kind of like, and as Brewers fans, we're kind of, you know, we'd be glad to see him out of the central, but Oh my God, like what is wrong with the brain of the Cubs? Like, to, to let that happen. I mean, they pounded the table uh, for, at l- I mean, I'm exaggerating three innings. It was at least a full inning of Wilson Contreras love. And um, so I don't know. Apparently uh, the Cubs don't understand this stuff. Uh, well, and you know, we can do a whole episode on this and, and we should in the off season, but the, all of the rules changes that are coming about like, the limiting the pickoffs and like all of the stuff about like robo umps in the future and every, all of these things mean that you should keep Wilson Contreras on your team. Like you need a, you need a catcher who can back pick. You need a guy who can throw. If pitchers can't hold the running game, guess who has to do it? Your catcher. Who does that? Wilson Contreras. Like I, (laughs) he throws behind the runner to second. He throws, you know, he'll throw to second. He'll throw to third. He'll throw throw to first. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah. And so, uh, 
you know, is you need that. So you need him from a baseball standpoint. You need him for a continuity. But I honestly think they just want to run it like the Rays, and it's just like we're just going to have a team that's all going to be under 30 years old the entire time. And now that they got the young pitchers performing, oh, my God, they're never going to spend again. They're like, oh, the most expensive position, and we now we don't have to spend on it. It's great. It drives you know, me absolutely We'll win insane. the World Series with a $50 million payroll. It'll be incredible. I, it you drives know. me absolutely insane. Let's talk about some of the hot hitters the Cubs have uh, in in house who who will be trying to sustain this this you know fourteenth and MLB payroll with the most expensive ticket prices, most expensive fan experience in the game uh, situation over here. Seiya Suzuki has been red hot in the last month and change. He has a WRC plus of one thirty five, just like Alejandro Kirk for the whole season, but one thirty five since August eighth. Ian Happ is just behind him at 132. Nico Horner, who should be back from his tricep soreness uh, any day now at 120. Alfonso Rivas at 118. Nice to see his bat heating up a little bit. And Wilson Contreras at 111. Um, Hey, at least the Cubs have more hot hitters than the Rockies. (laughs) Yeah. Which isn't saying much. They weren't really hitting the ball too much before they, I'm, I'm worried that they're coming back to Wrigley, to be honest. They, you know, I'm going to look this up right now because I think, that the Cubs have overall played better on the road. And I'm going to look at their splits right now. Oh, I'm um, sure you're right about this. And, and, and I, I just kind of have a, they're 31 and 40 on the road, 30 and 42. Okay. So just and so it's slightly better. 20%, 20 uh, percentage points higher with the win loss. Um, they've, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, that's not that big of a, of a uh, discrepancy to say, but um but it certainly does feel that way. Oh, it well, I actually Probably think there was because I've seen it with my own eyes instead of on TV. <laughs> I think there well, was a point talk. in time where there was a big home road split because I remember Al writing an article about it, but I think it might have corrected itself mm. over the course of the season. But I, I mean, I so I was sure that you were going to be right about this, but yeah, it may well, just be that we go to games, right. we go to games at Wrigley Field, and we're like, oh, this team never wins. <laughs> they just also never win on the road. <laughs> Yeah, they just don't win that much. If the Cubs win some games at Wrigley Field against the Colorado Rockies this weekend, you know you will hear about it here. Danny, where can people find your takes on this weekend series between the Cubs and the Rockies? Well, we'll be doing the Sun Ranto show on, uh, I believe, Sunday night, it looks like, because that's a day game. We've got three day games against Colorado, and then they go on the freaking road again out to Miami. Isn't that yeah, weird? I don't three, know what's going on. Three-game homestand. Like, Stop with the computers making stuff. They don't know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's Sunday night, Sunday night, Sun Ranta show. And uh also I want to put this out there. October 1st at Nisei Lounge, the Bleacher Bum Band is throwing a rock karaoke party. It is the last Saturday of uh well, the last homestand of the season. And uh we're gonna have a lot of fun. It's gonna be kind of like uh it's just a big Cub fan party. Let's put it that way. We're going to sing. We're going to have a little rock show. Um, also, uh, on September 24th, which is the weekend before that, on the Saturday, uh, we're going to be playing Hop Stop in Riverside. So if anybody lives in Riverside and likes drinking beer, Bleacher Bum Band is uh, going to be the featured act at Hop Stop. So go drink good beer and come rock and roll with us. I am here for it. I, I always love some good rock and roll. And the Bleacher Band, Bleacher Bum Band. 
gosh, I'm ready for this. It is a mouthful. We are a tongue twister. The Bleacher Bum Band is always fun. And you never know who's going to show up at a Bleacher Bum Band show uh, in Wrigleyville. Uh, Last time was Christopher Morrell and who was it? Well, Brandon Hughes. Brandon Hughes. And uh, he gave me 50 bucks. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, Actually, Eric Wellman came. A couple of the bullpen coaches came. So we'll see who comes this time. Chris Young was supposed to come, but apparently he was yelling at somebody. (laughs) He was yelling at a bullpen guy. And I forget who it was. And I know I should know this, but... um, because I, I, Jeff told me, he's like, yeah, he said he had to like chew this guy out because he didn't do what he, they told him to do. I'm trying to think of who it was. I, if I look at the list, I'd remember. Well, um, while you're looking that up, uh, I, I plan on being at that show in, in Wrigleyville and I'll see what I can do about uh, maybe free, trying, too. yeah, maybe trying to find a ride to, to the other one. I will be at at least two of these games, maybe the third one. Uh, Sunday, I'm going with friend of the show, Ken Schultz. Um, it is out at Wrigley Day. So uh, one of the cool things about the Cubs is that they have two Pride Nights. Uh, they had out at Wrigley well before any team in Major League Baseball had a Pride Night, and they kept both of them. So out at Wrigley is this Sunday. Uh, you'll see a group of people wearing orange uh, in the bleachers, hanging out, having a good time. And that note, that is the Cubs original Pride Night that has, I believe it's in like its 21st year, um, 20th year being able to go to the game, though, because they obviously couldn't celebrate it in 2020. So keep an eye out for that during Sunday's games. You can find my pictures and takes and comments and scorecard tweets and everything else I've got going on at my Twitter account at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything that Danny and I talk about on the show at the podcast account at cup of cubby blue. And hopefully you can find another Cubs sweep this time of the Colorado Rockies on the flip side, the next time that we come together for this show uh, after Sunday's game till then.